Paige Scott here. We are recording audio for a podcast that we're going to be using on the Entourage Ministries podcast. Entourage Ministries is a ministry for women that gets its inspiration from uh, Psalm 68, verse 11, that talks about a host of women um, who uh, receive the command to enter Canaan, and then um, as an army, proclaim that good news. And so um, we are about proclaiming the good news of Jesus, and everything uh, that we put out um, is for the purpose of encouraging uh, the host of women that we do life with, uh, both in our community here in Durant, and then just otherwise on online and, and in different uh, different networks. And so um Today, I'm going to be sharing some content uh, from a program that we facilitate called Hearts at Rest. Hearts at Rest is a curriculum that is also a ministry specific to anxiety, and Entourage Ministries facilitates that with women. If you have questions about uh, going through that, it is specifically ministry to anxiety. You would need to visit um, entourageministries.com, and there will be information about how to how to contact us. But I'm going to share something called um, an unedited letter to Eve from a woman in the 21st century. It is going to require me to be flipping pages and and reading from a book because it's a little lengthy. So I apologize for any any distractions to the audio. But just to set the stage for why uh, why we're making this available to an audience that is not hearts at rest. Quite simply because um, it does share the gospel from the perspective of this letter from a random woman in 2018 to Eve. And the way that this was inspired um, in, in 2017, I got to go to L.A. and attend the Hillsong uh, conference there and got to sit in on a session facilitated by Laura Toggs, uh, where she gave a glimpse of, of a ministry program Hillsong has called The Secret Garden. And in this format, there were there were about five different people on stage, and they were reading letters that they had written to themselves uh, that were, were testimony letters. And so I would just note that my whole family ditched me for the session to watch OSU lose a football game love the Cowboys, so I mean no offense to that, but they really missed out because as all these people were reading the letters, there was like normal person one reading their letter, normal person two. The lights were dim, and so like the spotlight would go on to each person. Well, it got around to the fourth person, and this lady was like, dear Selena, blah, 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 and I'm thinking— think that's Selena Gomez, but no one is with me that I can even ask about this. So I get out my phone to Google the situation, and and it affirms, because there are already links up from various paparazzi that she was there. And she had shared her testimony in this uh, in this letter format. And, and really, it just gave me uh, a lot of compassion, not only toward her, but but in how how we see other people. She talked about in, in this letter she'd written to herself about how not only would she make mistakes, but she would make them in front of the world watching. And so just that creative platform got me thinking about what does it look like to write a letter to Eve about what was going to happen in the garden to her and how that would not only impact her, but how it would impact me sitting here today in Duran, Oklahoma, and, and each of you. And so um, that and the Word of God um, inspired this letter, and I'll be making it available on the blog later so that you can can go through and read it. But that's the context. This is a letter to Eve, like actual Mother Eve back in Genesis, Genesis um, 1, 2, 3, that Eve, uh, from a woman in, in 2018. So it says, Dear Eve, 
I wish this letter could find you in the Garden of Eden by your favorite stream, your favorite flower, captivated by love from your husband, and spending your favorite time of day with the Lord. I wish this letter could find you walking among the animals, selecting their names, and marveling at the unique design that God has given all of them. I wish this letter could find you in all of the fact that only you and Adam, out of all the creation you see and enjoy, are the ones made in the image of God with His breath in your lungs. I wish you could realize how the angels in your presence marvel at you as an image bearer of the holy God, for although they are heavenly, they are not like you. They are not made in God's image, His prized creation, the apple of His eye. If only this letter found you in such a place, then how foreign the rest of my regards might seem to you. Which brings me to the main point here, what I wish you would have known. If only you could go back, how certainly you would change everything. But here we are. There was an angel who wanted to be like God, and he was cast out of heaven with the intention of destroying that which he could not create. You know God so well as your beautiful Creator, and this nasty foe of our Lord seeks to destroy because He has no authority to create. That statement in and of itself is powerful, and I wish you would have known it before you engaged with the foe whose appearance was like a snake. Because He cannot create, He seeks to manipulate, abuse, and ultimately assassinate. I wish I could have told you your life is on the foe's radar. Your purpose is too grand. God's love for you is too threatening to the foe, and the foe has his eye on you. He wants to destroy you and any security you feel in your relationship with the Lord. You are the Creator's prized jewel. The fellowship you have with God is so special, and the enemy knows this. Unfortunately, you're going to blindly move from being on the enemy's radar to the victim on the enemy's dinner plate of death and deceit. He will approach you as something ordinary to your eyes, seemingly safe and capable of no harm. He will engage you, and you will respond, but in your response, the course of your life and all life will change. The Lord will allow you to have this conversation, and then will further allow you to decide for yourself what choice you will make regarding the opportunity a serpent will present you. He will point to the tree, you know, the tree that God instructed you not to eat from, the one you see daily but don't touch. You normally don't even look at it. Like all creation, it's a lovely tree, but you have no need for it because God has supplied all of your needs. But the enemy will get you to start staring at it. You will remember that God told you not to eat from it at first, and then the enemy will begin asking you a series of questions that are actually seeds, planting themselves in your soul. Eve, did God really say that? Eve, surely that won't happen to you. Eve, God just doesn't want you to know what He knows. You'll ponder the crafty remarks, and quickly those seeds will begin to take root. You'll be mesmerized by the possibility of what the enemy is suggesting to you, and you'll consider that maybe it would be beneficial, that maybe it would taste good and make you smarter than God has already made you. And then, in an instant, the root produces its first harvest. You'll eat the fruit, and you'll exchange your security and peace, your perfection, and your presence among the living God. Your exchange will be an immediate and weed-filled harvest of guilt, blame, shame, an unsatisfied desire to control, condemnation, and ultimately physical death. Your eyes 
become open to what has occurred and your initial response will be something brand new to you. You'll think, what is this blame coming from my mouth? What are these thoughts toward my husband? Why am I hiding from God when I know He means me no harm? Your thoughts will quickly become actions and the new pace of your life. And suddenly Eden will be no more. The Lord finds you and Adam hiding and living in shame. When this happens, you are incapable of even answering the Lord honestly when He asks what happened. In the moment, you realize that not only did you exchange truth for a lie when you ate the fruit, but now you struggle to even bring truth to your lips in the presence of God Almighty. In 2018, we might say about this, the struggle is real, but we would also say that's the understatement of the year. But God, in His goodness, covers you anyway to help with your shame. You'll be displaced from the garden, for you can no longer dwell in the place that is holy with the one who is holy. All part of the exchange and the new harvest in your life. The plants, the animals, and the beauty you tended to will also work against you, and your relationship with your husband will be full of strife and how you will miss the presence of the Lord among you. Oh, to take it back, I know that you would, that Adam also would in an instant, to just see the serpent for what he was, to stop the seeds of doubt, distrust, greed, and insecurity from ever being planted, from taking root, from taking over, to seek God in the moment that the serpent was crafting his word. You could have just called out to him so simply and how different all of this would have been for you, for me, for all of us. You go on to have a baby every woman's dream and God's gracious fulfillment of your calling. You'll have another as well, and lo and behold, that bad seed that was planted in you takes root in your sons, and straight out of those roots of insecurity, death occurs. You lose one son to death and the other is sent away, scattering those bad seeds across the earth and reproducing many and multiplying that which you and Adam brought into the world, sin your beautiful purpose to be a carrier of life turned on its head. You're physically bringing life into the world, but the precious souls are being born spiritually dead. It gets much worse before it ever gets better. So much death, so much bondage, so much slavery, so much jealousy, so much adultery, so much of exchanging truth for a lie, so much pain, so many tears, so much anxiety, even today when I'm writing you this letter. And where was God during all of this? How you must have missed Him. His peace that you didn't even know was something to be desired seems impossible to find. I'm sorry to tell you that seeking peace in life will be something all women strive for because they know its absence more than its presence. This too, part of the curse. Apart from fellowship with God, there is no everlasting peace because He is peace the irony of it all. We will try in our own strength to help others and ourselves and on our own, independent from God, all attempts in the same way yours did that day, pretty much anyway, minus the naked in the bushes part. Goodness, how I wish you could go back. I wish I could tell you the serpent goes away, but he still lurks, making himself seem harmless until the second his seeds root and we are in a harvest here that we don't recognize. Oh, and another thing. Do you realize that when God drove you away, it was actually to protect you? I'm sure it didn't feel that way. When the stupid serpent manipulated you to bring his death into the world, God's holy battle plan of restoration began. The other tree, the tree of life, could have put you into an eternal state of sin forever, but God planned otherwise. 
While death would now exist, God knew He could defeat it and how He would do it. But the solution, the Savior, won't come in your lifetime. During the wait for Savior, we see the enemy multiplying those same bad seeds over and over and over again, accomplishing much evil in the lives of God's creation. But again, the enemy is not a creator. Remember this, only in your acceptance of his lies were seeds planted, rooted, and harvested. There is no life in the enemy. There is only destruction. Yet He uses our capacity as women to be fruitful and multiply for His destructive uses, and He manipulates God's divine gifts for His purposes, which are always destruction. Destruction in death, destruction of life, destruction of our fellowship with God. This is His aim. For some time, God will give us laws to protect us from the horrible consequences we keep reaping upon ourselves and for us to attempt fellowship with Him. But even in that, the harvest of those long-ago seeds will sprout up. We will try to earn our way back to the presence, but we can't. The world stays weary for His peace and presence. I am sure you can imagine the feeling. In the end, God outsmarts that stupid snake, and God sows holy seed into a woman named Mary. She is the one who is obedient to God in all of Him, and probably not unlike you in your purest form as God's first beloved daughter. And for the first time, someone enters the world untampered by those yucky seeds you fell victim to that have spread so aggressively. His name will be Jesus, and He will be called Emmanuel, which means God with us. And He will enter the world and lay in a humble manger, less accommodated than the animals of the garden you once cared for during their birth, but the same beautiful Creator, humble and ready to save. After 33 years of sowing new seeds, people start to recognize truth again. Not everyone, but a few. Those who are blinded and still living in a lie, they will take this perfect Savior, Jesus, and they will nail Him to a tree, that tree seemingly making its way back into the picture again. But this time, when He dies the death, that stupid snake ushered into the world, He will come back from death as new life. And in that single instance, just like your single instance of eating the death fruit, He takes those rotten seeds and brings them back to life. This is the promise for all who will believe. And He returns to heaven where we will eventually be with Him forever. But just as He breathed the breath of life into your nostrils, He breathes the breath of life into those who recognize His truth and don't exchange it for a lie today. And that breath allows His Holy Spirit to walk with us so that we can experience the presence in a similar way that you did. There's still a war between truth and lie and death and life. But God prevails, even in your story, Eve. You went on to be the mother of all life. You passed on some bad stuff, no doubt about it, but God redeems it. So even though the war rages on, for those of us who see, we have help in the overcomer to recognize the attacks and defend ourselves. In the same way God clothed you in the garden, He gives us His very own armor. I say all of that to say, regardless of where you would be in finding this hypothetical letter, I want to assure you that God makes all things new. His perfect love casts out all fears, and that even when you make choices that feel like death or someone else makes choices that impact your life and still feel like death, there's new hope in Him. 
He makes it all right. Regardless of how we mess up, regardless of how many times we fall for the same deceitful trick, we have a Savior now, and He fixes it all. He forgives us. His love is still as pure as you knew it to be. Also, Eve, I forgive you. And this is only because of Jesus, though. Even though guilt and shame came to the world through your choice, Jesus lets us exchange those fruits for fruits like love and peace. I can only forgive you because of the fruit exchange in my life through Jesus. If ever faced with the opportunity, I hope you'd forgive yourself. Eve, you are more than the choice you made, and I am more than the choice you made. You are more than the attack that unfolded on your life, and I am more than the attack that unfolded on your life. We are both beautifully and wonderfully made by the hands of a loving God. Finally, I want you to know that it was not due to the weakness of your purpose and design that the enemy attacked you. It was because of the strength of your purpose and design. Never forget this. God made you as strong as He needed you to be, even when He knew you would mess up. You are more, because He is more. In the love of Jesus, a young woman saved by grace. Romans 5.12, Just as sin entered the world through one man, and death through sin, and in this way death came to all men, for if by the trespass of one man's death reigned through that one man, how much more will those who receive God's provision of grace in the gift of righteousness. So I share that letter. We always do that when we're facilitating hearts at rest, um, really as a means of just letting women know the value of their purpose and design and to begin to understand uh, why the enemy would manipulate those things, what it is that we have in our capacity to carry life uh, in the way that God has made us and, and why we get attacked in certain ways. And so if you're listening uh to this on podcast or Facebook Live, or if you're reading it later when I make the copy available on blog, everything that is true about Eve and the way that she was created is true about us. Um, everything is true about the way the enemy still attacks even the garden is true about us. It may not look like a snake in a tree, but in terms of just the shady deceit and the manipulation, that happens today. But but like I said in that letter, we're we put on the armor of God. We're clothed in, in a robe of righteousness with a crown of splendor, and we walk in gifting that He surrounds us with so that we have wisdom, discernment, peace, joy, love, rest to bring into the situations uh, where the enemy otherwise would seek to lead us astray. So, I share that as an encouragement. Um, it's a letter that is near and dear to my heart because it reminds me of a time in my life when God was birthing so much into me and I had so much revelation about my identity in Him. And so I hope that's true true for you all. And to anyone who's listening that may not be a believer, that you've not had that exchange of, of seed in your life where you've taken that old yucky harvest and you've let the Lord uh, really just pull it up from the ground and plant that new seed, that being Him, uh, then I would invite you to, to do that. The Word says that's as simple as calling upon the name of the Lord so that you can be saved, recognizing that Jesus is Lord and asking Him to take over. It's a prayer. It's a cry. It's a plea. And then Jesus meets you wherever you are, ushering that up.
Um, if if you have interest in going through Hearts at Rest, which again is a ministry that is specific to anxiety, uh, you can visit entourageministries.com um, and contact us in, in that way and find out how you might go through the full seven sessions uh, that this letter makes its its appearance in. But but with that, I just, as always, want to pray um, for those listening or, in today's case, those watching on Facebook Live and uh, remind you that this audio, um, like others, is going to be going onto our podcast. You can find it on the iTunes podcast platform. And uh, we'll have more blog content coming out tomorrow, which I'm super excited about. So I'm uh, going to pray, pray for each of you. Dear Heavenly Father, I pray, I pray for every a precious woman that is watching or listening right now, that she would be um, seen by you, uh, that she would know that she's seen by you, that she would know that she's loved by you, uh, that she would know that she doesn't have to live uh, in a harvest of of guilt and shame uh, and destruction. Uh, if someone else has caused that in her life or if her own actions have caused that, that you are always there with your love, with your forgiveness, and with grace and mercy for the new new day. So I just, for anyone that needs to experience um, the new life that you offer, I pray uh, that they would that they would do that. And for any woman who who has experienced this new life in you, but just needs to be reminded about her value and her identity. I pray that you would encourage her heart and her spirit today. I pray that um, in our design as women, as you've made us carriers of life, God, not only only physically, but but spiritually, Father, that as we step into a lost world today, that we birth um, new and, and God-honoring things um, to those around us. So uh, in your precious holy name, I pray. Amen.